You're listening to The Fish Dish, brought to you by Eat Wisconsin Fish, a campaign of the Wisconsin Sea Grant Program. Are you fish curious, or are you a fish expert who wants to learn even more about Wisconsin's fisheries and cooking fish? We'll give you the latest dish on fish. Your hosts are Sharon Moen and Marie Zwickoff. Two, two friends, friends who, who have been, been working, working for Sea Grant seemingly forever and who know a thing or two about fish. But that's forever in a good way. Sharon runs the Eat Wisconsin Fish campaign. And Marie is a science communicator. In this episode, Sharon and I take the fish dish on the road for a trip to the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, where we meet Emmett Brown, its executive director. Then, in the Fishalicious part of the show, we'll be cooking a rainbow trout recipe called Dad's Mushroom Masterpiece. We'll also have a special surprise guest joining us to taste it. Sharon and I are on the road, on our way to Hayward, Wisconsin. Road trip! Road trip! Road trip! (laughs) (laughs) And we're on Highway 27 near Barnes, I believe, somewhere in the forest. We just stopped at a bait shop to uh, pick up something to drink. And we are on our way to the Hayward Fishing Hall of Fame. Freshwater Fishing Hall Freshwater, of Fame. Freshwater. Is it international? I'm not sure it's international hall. yet. Well, we're going to find out. <laughs> <laughs> As you can tell, we don't know a whole lot about it, which is kind of fun. Right. So we're open to this new experience. And it's about fish. So what inspired you, Marie, to choose this as our road trip destination today? Well, it's summer. <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> and when we were planning out this show, it came up as a topic. You know, I've never been there before, and so it just seemed like a good <laughs> right. excuse for an episode of The Fish Dish to, to come here. Sharon, I know you did some research before our trip on, like, the biggest freshwater fish ever caught. Right, so I did, and that was a fish that was caught in Thailand, and it's a Mekong giant catfish. They said it was big as a grizzly bear and weighed, what, 650 pounds, something like that, and was nine feet long, and it was netted. The biggest fish ever caught in the U.S. on a rod and reel was a white sturgeon, and that weighed over 400 pounds. Well, I assume we'll see lots of pictures of big fish and probably some taxidermied big fish. So I know the taxidermied record muskie was burnt down in a tavern fire, so we can't see that anymore. But I bet there's some other fish that'll be available for show and tell. Okay, well cool. Onward to Hayward Fishing Hall of Fame. When we were putting this episode together, we learned that a new record freshwater fish was caught in the Mekong River in Cambodia. It was a 660-pound stingray, and it took more than a dozen people to haul it to shore. Yes, stingrays are considered a fish. The 13-foot-wide female was released back into the river after being electronically tagged to allow scientists to monitor her movement and behavior. Now that's a big fish! As long as I'm setting records straight, Sharon asked me to say a few more things about that white sturgeon she mentioned, the one caught in the U.S. with a rod and reel. That whopper is not the biggest white sturgeon that has ever been landed. 
It's just the largest one caught in the U.S. that was weighed on a scale certified by the International Game Fish Association. Most white sturgeon are released alive after being caught. They never get near a certified scale. For the want of a certified scale, the International Game Fish Association's white sturgeon fishing record, set in 1983, stands at 468 pounds. According to uncertified measurements, white sturgeon can grow to double that weight. We're here! Fishing Hall of Fame. In the sign it says, it's like a peek into your granddad's tackle box. Okay, we gotta go buy our tickets. Alright, here we go. There's a lot of fish you can see, but a lot of big models of fish. And then there's the parking lot's pretty crowded too for a small town like this. On a weekday. Yeah. And of course you can see the big musky. We'll talk more about that later. <laughs> After we bought our tickets in the yeah, shop, you walk through that, that small building and in the back of it is a memorial garden full of memorials to deceased anglers and flower beds and then models of different species of fish. And when we're talking about models, they are like gigantic models. Uh, they would more like be whale size. Yes. So there's a huge sunfish, there was a rainbow trout, bass, a walleye, in fact there's salmon. a couple bass around, yeah. big and small mouth. But the largest one is a muskie. How big do you think that thing is? Oh my gosh, I don't know, but it's so big you can walk inside of it and go up into its mouth and uh, look out through its mouth. So Yeah, there's a viewing platform in its mouth and then inside I think it's a museum. Uh, there's also a Hall of Recognition next door with the saying, Give a man a fish, feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish, feed him for life. For life, and that is so true. <laughs> <laughs> Where should we go? Where I think we, we should go start next? with the Hall of Recognition. Okay. Yeah, because we'll save the muskie for last. How's that? Okay. All right. Good. So when we came into the Memorial Hall, there's a carving of the world's record muskie. So it's a 72-inch Chippewa River muskie donated by Ghost Lake Lodge in Hayward. Huh, that thing is, like, it's taller than us. (laughs) I would not want to see that in a river. (laughs) And to be honest, muskies and pikes kind of scare me when I'm fishing. They have so many teeth, and evidently they have teeth kind of like in their gills, too, so it's hard to pick them out. And I, when I look at them, I think, you're mostly teeth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this building has been a surprise. Not only are there memorials to anglers and noted people involved in the recreational fishing here, there's a motor graveyard. Yes. And there's mounts of all sorts of types of fish, both saltwater and freshwater. There's pictures of people with their world record fish. There's even some mounts of primitive fishermen that look (laughs) suspiciously like Sasquatch. (laughs) That's true. I think it's fascinating to see 
like kind of the history of fishing laid out in this building, like again, the motor graveyard. And now we're looking at old musky lures. And there was a room dedicated to Laurie Rapala, who is famous for the Rapala line of fishing gear. And I'm looking at a wall over here that talks about the history of fishing lines even and some of the knots. So it's pretty cool. If you're a gearhead and like fishing, this is a good place to come. So we're recording from inside the muskie now. It kind of feels like Jonah and the whale experience if the whale was a museum. <laughs> <laughs> there are more fish in dioramas here and more about the museum itself. Or I'm going to call it a fishing museum. They call it the Hall of Fame, but there's, it's way more than just a Hall of Fame. I think it's a lot to learn here. And I'm even seeing a gas-powered spear gun that looks like an old old military gun. That's interesting. CO2 gas. Spear gun. gun. Yeah, so it has a CO2 canister on it. And there's a lot of tributes to founders of the place. And also a tribute to Herman the Worm. <laughs> Is that a book character? Must be a book character. I think so. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then there's a stairway that leads up to the mouth of the muskie. We can see the teeth, Ooh, the spooky. upper teeth <laughs> coming down. And the muskie is surrounded by a pool of water. And I don't know if you can hear the, they have a, some, the bubblers, yeah. some bubblers going on. But there's tadpoles in the pool. <laughs> and people have been throwing coins in there too. Yeah, there's some kind of life preserver shaped styrofoam things put out there. So they're encouraging people to try to toss their coins through the the middle of the life preserver. It's kind of fun. Uh, and they even have a artist model for the fish we are now inside. <laughs> and pictures of the sculptor and the artist. Oh, I like how they say the spawning of the world's largest fish, <laughs> yes. which they're talking about this particular building. Yeah, they have pictures of how they built it. Okay, we're going up. On the stairs. Legs are getting tired. It's getting humid up here. They must have air conditioning down lower. Wow. You can see Hayward from here. In the grounds. They also have like four little houses on the side of the gardens that house, they cover boats, old fashioned fishing boats. And even a 1952 snowmobile. Yep. That was kind of neat to see. This muskie has a lot of teeth. After our explorations, we caught up with Emmett Brown, the director of this fine establishment. He shared the goals of the Hall of Fame with us, its impact on the community, and why there's so much more to the sport than just catching fish. Our primary mission at the Fishing Hall of Fame is the preservation of the historical artifacts, uh, the heritage and history of freshwater sport fishing. That, in a nutshell, is what we do. We're, we're about preserving the historical artifacts and history of freshwater sport fishing as opposed to saltwater fishing, commercial fishing. We don't do a lot with commercial fishing here, although there is history here. And even in our museum, we do have some commercial artifacts, nets and things like that, that would have been used primarily in commercial fishing as opposed to sport fishing. Our awards program, our Hall of Fame program, covers the world. 
not just North America, not just the U.S., but the world. Uh, the primary thrust of it, however, is, is uh, in North America. I mean, North America has 20% of, of the world's fresh water, for example. Because of that, there's going to be um, lots of uh, fresh water representation. We've recognized about um, a little under 500 to, to date since 1980, maybe 78, I don't remember. About how many inductees come in a year? Five to six. Oh, okay. Seven wow. maybe. We have a really good group, but certainly no more than that. And what do people have to do to be inducted besides catch fish? Well, what, not necessarily catch fish. Matter of fact, if the individuals only claim to fame is that they caught a big fish one time, they're not getting in. They have to have given something back to the sport of freshwater fishing. Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of people that try to set a lot of different records, and and, um, and, I, and I think they've done it under the misnomer that, well, yeah, I'm going to have about 100 records, so I should get into fishing all the time. Well, that doesn't work, and we tell people this. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure they always believe us when I tell them that, uh -huh. but... And I'm not knocking people catching big fish. Mm -hmm. Everyone likes mm -hmm. to catch a big fish, right? But you have to have contributed something. We are the go-to destination in northwestern Wisconsin, no doubt about that. We have about 50,000 people here annually. Wow. Uh, and that's and annually, I'm talking about April 15th through October 31st. It's, it's a cross-section of, in the collar months, you know, April, May, Later in September and October, it's serious, more serious anglers, a lot of guy groups, but mm -hmm. that's not even necessarily universal anymore. A lot, of, a lot of gal groups too. I mean, I've seen a wonderful explosion of. of uh, there's a a women's muskie tournament that they have up here now. First thing I like to tell people is that it's called fishing, not catching. <laughs> And, and what I mean by that is there's so much more to the sport of fishing than just unhooking and throwing it back or, or throwing it into your live well. It's, uh, to me, there's more to it. And, and I feel sorry, sad, if you've gotten to the point in your life where you still don't see the mystery, the wonderment I, that we saw when we were kids uh, when that bobber went down. I mean, to this day, I still get a kick out of watching a a bobber either goes sideways or go down. Or, so to me, that's what the sport is about. It's about uh, fishing, catching, and getting the most out of it that you can. Passing the traditions along, the history, the heritage. We update when we can. We're right through a, we're probably 80% of the way through a 10-year project to upgrade our infrastructure. You know, these, these winters, I don't have to tell you ladies what winters are like. Four solid seasons of, of different weather and the, the vagaries of those four seasons weigh heavily on our, on our especially since so much of it is outside. I mean, we repainted the big muskie in 2008. That was actually step one. It was, it was installed in, uh, in July of 78. We, we repainted in uh, May of 08 at a cost greater the repaint than it was to build. Sharon and I are back in the car again, heading back to Superior. We ate lunch before we left the town of Hayward. Somebody gave us a recommendation saying there was good fish 
at the Angler Bar and Grill. And of course, with that name, a name like Angler, you know it. <laughs> how how could we refuse? But alas, they oh. had fish, but it was not local fish. It was cod. It cod was from Iceland. Cod. But we ate there anyway, and the food is very good. The service is very good. If you like taxidermy decor. There was lots more dead <laughs> things hanging on the walls. <laughs> uh -huh. That was very quaint. Yes. But now we're heading home and we're processing our experience at the Hall of Fame. Right. It was so interesting. One of the things we were... Well, actually, Marie was up in the musky mouth and an osprey flew by with a fish in its talons. And uh, that was pretty fun to see. Yeah, very appropriate. You know, that there was a fishing bird at the Fishing Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I was surprised that there was as much fishing equipment there. Like they had all the reels and different types of fly fishing rods over the years, different types of flies and lures. I wasn't expecting that there. How about you, Sharon? Yeah, I agree. It was much more of a museum than I was imagining it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a Hall of Fame where you go through and you meet virtually some of the greatest fly anglers or anglers. And uh, it was much more than that. It was so much more than that. And we really appreciated that the director took time to speak with us. That was really valuable, getting to meet him and getting his viewpoint on things. Yes, I really like what he said about, like, if you have lost the wonder of watching your bobber, tip over it's like maybe you should be doing something else because it's such a remarkable event to be attached to a fish that way and he still finds that such a, a thrill and I think that's a great lesson well I think I like that the the setup was for kids and adults and families and friend groups that it felt like a place that you could all have a good time at I wish they had more recipes there I didn't see any recipe books. No. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why we're going to have to make a, a dish when we get home, right? Yes, and we've been going back and forth on, on what fish to cook that would be applicable to this experience we had. And we kind of decided on rainbow trout, right? Yeah, I think it's going to be rainbow trout. So one of the reasons I like the idea of cooking rainbow trout is that you can catch it as an angler, but you can also go to a fish farm. Uh, there are many uh, rainbow trout farms. You can find it in the supermarket. So you don't necessarily have to be an angler to enjoy rainbow trout. And now it's time for the fish delicious part of our podcast where we discuss fish recipes, which by the way, you can find on the Eat Wisconsin Fish website which is eatwisconsinfish.org, along with photos. Plus, it's also on the Fish Dish Podcast webpage. What dish do we have today? Oh, it's Dad's Mushroom Masterpiece. And I'm excited because we have a whole trout head on and a bunch of mushrooms, which I love. And this is going to be awesome. I'm excited. Okay, Sharon is wounded. She has a kitchen wound. <laughs> so... So on her hand, so uh, I'm doing the heavy lifting today. So far, I have cut the head off the fish. Right, and now we have to cut up mushrooms and also an onion. And so I'm relying on Marie to do that also. 
Alright, it's time for the onions and mushrooms in the simmering sauce that we're doing. So here's a quarter cup of onions. And then about two cups of mushrooms. And they're kind of thick cut, but I'm thinking that we have enough time to simmer them down so it won't be so bad. Because what we did was we did not fillet the fish. We're doing a whole fish with the head and tail cut off. And we're going to simmer it on one side in a, over a bath of water and a little bit of salt. Yeah, Sharon has a special fish steamer. It's an oblong, rectangular pot. <laughs> yeah, with a, a cover. A friend gave it to I've me never, for Christmas. I didn't even once. I didn't even yeah. know there was such a thing. Well, I think steaming is such a heart healthy way to to cook fish. The easy pan fry or saute that we've done on the fish dish before. Left to my own devices approach a fish, but to having a steamer, it's really a good way not to do that oil. Like, you want to get away from the oils. Mm -hmm. So yeah, a friend gave me the steamer, and I'm lucky. But you can also, like last fish dish, we did kind of a steaming situation in the microwave. Yeah, just like in the baking dish. Right. Poaching. Yeah. Yeah. So you can steam without a fancy fancy extra tool in your kitchen but I just happen to have this one because you're fancy because I'm fancy <laughs> I'm one of those fancy people <laughs> yeah we have had it simmering for about five minutes on one side and I'm just gonna flip this puppy with what uh, a fork <laughs> I'm gonna find a fork in your kitchen okay. <laughs> two forks in fact and then with our mushroom so about five minutes Stir it in the flour, salt and pepper. So we put in a tablespoon of flour. For my purposes, it was rice flour. Somewhere the mustard and the sour cream come in. Yeah, we did salt and pepper and a third cup of milk. It says cook over medium heat until thickened three minutes. Then we remove it and we stir in the Sour cream, mustard, oh. and the wine. I think that's so cool to make your own mustard. Yeah. It's good, too. Is it? Yeah. I like it. <laughs> yeah. You can, like, stick the finger in there. Right there. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's good. The fish is done. Mm. That's one thing about fish. It cooks so fast. Okay, so I'm removing the skin. Because when you steam a fish, the skin, if I was frying it or sautéing it, the skin gets crispy and kind of yummy, but because it's been steamed... It is not yummy. It's not as, it's not as yummy. <laughs> you eat it, it's fine. It's not going to hurt you, but it's not as yummy. So now we have skinned the fish, and it's a whole fish, so I'm going to try to make it elegant splitting it apart, but it's never going to be as elegant as it would be if we had a fillet to start yeah, with. Yeah, I don't have a fillet knife. I'm I just, I should not be on the show. <laughs> no, no, but I feel like it's important that you know you don't need a fillet knife in order to eat a steamed fish, whole fish. It's just, it's going to be a little bit uh -huh. ugly, and and I haven't taken out the bones, right? Yeah. So I just, like, peel out the backbone, and then I... Then you serve then it up. I, now you know what to get me for Christmas. Right. Fillet knife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. We have half a fish here, and I'm going to plate it up and then put some of the sauce on top of it because, ugh, mushroom sauce, yummy. A wine mushroom sauce. Mm. So we're going to 
rust is pulled in. <laughs> well, it looks like I'm just in time. You're, you are perfect timing, in fact. Note to our listeners, our surprise special guest is Russ, Marie's partner. He just happened to come home at the right time to join us for the taste test. This is Dad's mushroom masterpiece with homemade mustard and rainbow sour, trout. Sour, yeah, sour cream, cream mushroom wine sauce. Mm-hmm. Oh my gracious. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. It's too wonderful. Dad's? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know who Dad was. We don't um, know whose Dad it was. But oh, no. okay. All right. He was a smart man. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Good cook. Mm-hmm. So this recipe come from the museum? Wisconsin Fish website. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. So what do you think? Mm, Rush? Delicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the steaming. Yeah, it's such a heart-healthy way to prepare fish, as opposed to frying or sautéing. I mean, baking's good, too, but steaming is like, it's just you hold it over hot water for some sort of simmering sauce for about 10 minutes, and... It's so, done. Marie has probably shared this with you, but the whitefish recipe with the Greek seasoning mm, mm-hmm. has become a big hit in our household. That's like your favorite, your family favorite so far. Yeah, <laughs> different types of fish too. It's good. Mm, mm-hmm. All sorts of absolutely. Fish. But I'm liking this. Yes. It's mild, like compared to some of our other recipes. It's all the flavors are really. Subtle. Mellow, yes. Mm, yes. Mm-hmm. Dad's mellow mushroom. <laughs> yes. Magnificence. For more information in our rainbow trout recipe, visit Eat Wisconsin Fish on the web at eatwisconsinfish.org. Plus Twitter and Facebook. Thanks goes to Emmett Brown for speaking with us and to Russ Marin for participating in the taste test. Thank you for listening.